חולם על מדינת ישראל שבה עם ישראל קובע את עתידו בעצמו באמת. הדמוקרטיה הישראלית היא אחד הניסים הגדולים ביותר של הציונות. That's what it sounded like two weeks ago when Dan Illouz made his inaugural speech to Israel's Knesset as part of the ruling Likud party. Illouz spoke about democracy and that the best years were ahead for the Zionist dream. And for Illouz, being there was also a dream come true while his parents and his family watched proudly from the gallery because Illouz is Canadian, or he was until a few weeks ago. He had to give up his Canadian citizenship when he took his seat in the Knesset. Illouz is the son of Moroccan immigrants to Montreal, where he grew up. He graduated from Ecole Maimonide and Herzliya High School and McGill Law School, where he was politically active and dabbled in campus politics. But it was after he moved to Israel for good 13 years ago that his political career really took off. He was a Jerusalem city councillor. Then he joined Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud slate in the recent election, and he beat an Ethiopian and a Russian for the immigrant seat. Illouz, as a rookie MK, got the nod to liaise with English and French-speaking Israeli immigrants. But it's his own initiative, he says, to sell his new government's policies to the Jewish diaspora, which is why his office reached out to talk to me and the CJN, and we agreed. Especially because it's a chance to address how his government is responding to protests from inside Israel and out about what some call reforms, but what others call a hard move to the extreme right. I think it's fully legitimate not to agree with my point of view that, that says that these things are needed or that these things are good, but to claim that this is something which makes Israel less democratic or undemocratic, uh, I think is false. I think it's unfair. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, February the 21st, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News sponsored by Metropia. And we're coming to you this week from Delray, Florida. Dan Luz has a unique perspective. He's one of only four people with Canadian upbringing ever to sit in the Knesset. After he made Aliyah, he served in the IDF. He held some political staffer jobs with Likud MKs. And it was actually from Israel that he put together a group supporting former Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper's failed bid to get re-elected in 2015. Now, Illouz is capitalizing on his communication skills and his Canadian roots to turn the megaphone around and to sell his government's controversial agenda to his former home turf. I spoke to him from his Knesset office in Jerusalem. Thank you, Ellen. I'm very glad to be here. Well, it's great to meet you. Congratulations on your maiden speech a couple of weeks ago in the Knesset, which I watched. It was a very, very emotional day for me. I read and I saw, of course, we're recording on Monday as the the Knesset is uh, opening debate on the judicial reforms. I don't know if you were able to see the protests outside. Could you describe what you saw as you walked in? I definitely saw the protests. Uh, so let, let's first say that I, I am a strong supporter of the reforms. I think that they're uh, good for Israel, good for Israel's democracy. Uh, I do want to say that I, when I saw the protests outside, I saw very caring Israelis that have a different opinion than I do, uh, who want to see a different policy appro- uh, uh, approved. Uh, and so I really respect the protesters. I don't think that uh, I should uh, show any disrespect for them. They're caring, they're patriotic. We're just disagreeing. Uh, I hope that the leaders of the opposition would say the same thing about me and understand that we're not trying to bring the end of the democracy or anything. We're, we're fixing things which need to be fixed. 
trust uh, within the Israeli uh, judicial uh, system. Uh, I'm a McGill Law uh, graduate, uh, and so I had an argument actually with my former professor, Erwin Kotler. He's opposed to the reforms. I'm for the reforms, but we both agreed that this isn't a question of whether Israel will be a democracy or not. It's a, we're, we're disagreeing about what the best way to apply democracy in Israel is. And that's a fair disagreement, which is legitimate. I definitely think that Erwin Kotler is a huge patriot when it comes to his Jewish values. He's a Canadian patriot, of course, but also an Israeli, a very strong supporter of Israel. Uh, and we disagree on this issue, which is fine. It's, a, it, we're, it's fair to disagree, as long as we realize that those are legitimate disagreements and we don't start calling each other names or, or claiming that one person is a dictator or a fascist or all of these things that they've started calling us uh, on the right. Uh, and so that's basically how I feel today. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you about the protests. It's not just the, the people who disagree. Of course, the president went on uh, a public speech, Isaac Herzog, and, and said there might be civil war. Sitting here from the diaspora, you must be aware of how Jewish community outside of Israel uh, is reacting. You've seen, I'm sure, all the delegations saying, especially even religious delegations and conservative um, delegations, not just the reform and the left, expressing deep concern. What did what did you hear directly as the sort of Ola voice and the Canadian, you know, voice? What what are people telling you directly from Canada? So again, I, I hear and and I want to not minimize the amount of uh, worry that there is because I agree with you that people are worrying. Uh, and I hear that uh, people are worried. People who care deeply about Israel are worried about Israel's future. I think that most of the worry of uh, the worries is based on uh, on uh, on the misunderstanding of what these reforms are are meant to accomplish, uh, and I and that's part of the reason why I'm <laughs> I'm uh, on this uh, interview right now because I think that it's very important uh, to give a clearer picture about what these reforms are meant to bring. Uh, the way I see it, those reforms are making Israel closer. Uh, to the way all other democracies are functioning right now, whether it come wh whether we're speaking about the nomination of judges, which usually is done in the uh, either the legislative branch or the executive branch. So in Israel, we're we're strengthening the power that the legislative and the executive branch have. By the way, we're keeping in judges in the nomination committee. That's something that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. But we're still, in order not to make too drastic of a change, we're keeping them in the committee. The override clause is something that exists in other democratic country. Canadians know that, obviously, because it's in Canada, but it exists also uh, in uh, in some parts of Australia. In Australia, they have a system, which it depends on which parts uh, you're talking about. And there's also other countries where the, the courts don't have any right of judicial review. They're not allowed to cancel laws at all, whether we're talking about Britain or New Zealand. And so if you don't have the right to cancel laws, then obviously you don't have an override clause at all. And so all of these things are things that exist in other democratic countries. Again, uh, and I think that that's uh, that if we were to frame the debate as a debate, as a legitimate debate, which I think it is, again, between people that are for judicial restraint uh, against people who are more prone to judicial activism. By the way, we spoke about Erwin Kotler. Erwin Kotler is someone who liked judicial activism also within Canada. He's very consistent in his views, which is fine. It's a, it's a, it's his opinion. I'm more of a person who likes judicial restraint. Uh, and again, there's a lot of people that agree with me. It's a legitimate debate. As long as we frame it as a legitimate debate, I think that a lot of the fears and the worries that a lot of, again, very uh, 
Israel loving people are, are expressing uh, would come down. Uh, I'm not uh, the type of person that would demonize the people that are against things that I believe in. Uh, I think that uh, it's okay for them to disagree with me. I would just like to put things in the right perspective. Well, you know, you mentioned disagree. And in your maiden speech or your inaugural speech, and in your platforms, you've talked a lot about how market free market economy is key for you, with including all the other reforms. And yet, so many people that we interview say, you know, we're not going to go to Israel. Israel's getting bad press everywhere. It's making it difficult for us to support Israel. So the fallout from this debate that's going on outside of Israel may be actually real. You may be feeling it economically. I'm not, you know, boycotts and, of course, uh, people who don't want to do business because of this. What, what do you have to say to that? I, I uh, think that you... right now there's a lot of stress on the relations between Israel and the diaspora jury because of this, uh, this issue. But once people see that the result of the reforms uh, is a vibrant democracy that's even more vibrant than what there was before, then all of the worries will go down and we'll see a very strong uh, relationship. By the way, about the business part of things, uh, the reform, I think, is incredibly good for business. The, one of the most important things uh, in business is for people to have uh, some type of uh, uh, clarity as to what the law is. And the more activists the judges are, the less clear what the law is uh, becomes because people end up uh, not knowing whether the letter of the law is what will be applied or whether the interpretation of the judges is what will be applied. And so by making ju ju judges more restrained and judicial review more restrained, uh, then we're actually helping business. And I think on the economic side of things, uh, Israel will only gain from this reform also. We need to move on to a topic which is close to your heart as well. I know that a few weeks ago, the seven people who were murdered at the synagogue by terrorists and the two brothers who were rammed. So when the world watches the increasing violence and the efforts to to try to crack down on, on, on terrorists, you supported a bill to strip or an effort to strip terrorists of their citizenship recently. And I, and I wondered, you know, what do you see as the solution in, in, the, in the short term? I think that there's two sides to the coin. On the one hand, we have to uh, have a very strong hand against the terrorists. And those are some of the legislations that you've uh, de described are some of our responses. Uh, we have to make it clear to the terrorists and to their uh, to the people supporting them uh, that we will not uh, allow these things to happen. Uh, the other side of the coin is to make clear that we're here to stay. And that's why I also support a lot of uh, the things that we're doing in order to enhance uh, our presence all around Israel, uh, whether it's a new uh, uh, new yeshuvim, uh, I don't know how we say that in English, uh, but settlements, right, right, that are being uh, uh, legalized uh, in in the Judea and Samaria, or whether it's other uh, other things in that uh, line of thought. Uh, I I started also promoting uh, steps against uh, education, which is hateful education, which is uh, currently uh, given within Eastern Jerusalem. You should know that one of the terrorists uh, in the past three weeks was uh, was a 13 year old boy, who obviously when a 13 year old boy commits a terrorist uh, action, which is full of hatred. It's not. I I I tend to believe that people at thirteen year old aren't uh, so hateful just on their own. There's something which is uh, feeding that uh, flame of hate. And what's happening right now in east in the, the eastern parts of Jerusalem 
is that a lot of schools teach according to the Palestinian authorities system and with their textbooks, which include pure incitement against Jews. Uh, they uh, include uh, uh, people uh, calling uh, terrorists heroes, such as Dalal Mugrabi, which was a terrorist uh, that killed 35 Israelis, not alone. She was part of a group of four terrorists that killed 35 Israelis. Uh, and so it's that those are the types of role models that they have at 13 years old. And so everyone wants to be like their role models at 13 years old, right? And so they end up committing these terrorist crimes. So when it comes to the education system, it's also something which I uh, plan to uh, to to address. And it's something that I've already addressed. And we've had one discussion in the Knesset. We're going to have another one next week. And hopefully we'll enforce also the current laws, by the way, should be enough in order to stop this incitement, but if they're just not applied correctly. Let's talk about Canada's funding for UNRWA, because you were a supporter of Stephen Harper before you moved to Israel, or actually maybe even in Israel. And um, as, as an Israeli, I tried not to, but yeah. Okay. Well, you worked for the party, obviously. Stephen Harper, you can... But you were also, uh, you know, raising money. You were, you were an, an activist person for him. I mean, it's been in the press, too. It's nothing to... It's nothing right. to the government under Stephen Harper stopped funding UNRWA and the current government funds it. And UNRWA has been proven to fund this kind of incitement education. What message do you have now for the Canadian government's um, policies with this? Listen, I, I'll, I'll start by saying something which is important for me to say, and that's that Israel really appreciates Canada's friendship. I think that Canada over the years uh, has become closer and closer with Israel uh, and even if we don't always agree on everything, there's a clear uh, there's a clear line of friendship between us. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a conservative government or whether it's a liberal government. Uh, it's uh, that the friendship exists. We feel it. We see it also in uh, in voting patterns in the UN. It wasn't always that way, by the way. When I grew up, I don't think it was that way. Uh, but nowadays, you see it, including with this liberal government. And then we do have to give credit uh, to the to to the current uh, government on that. Uh, and I appreciate that as an Israeli. Uh, when it comes to the disagreements, then yes, there are a lot of disagreements also. Uh, funding of UNRWA is definitely one of them. UNRWA uh, uses those very textbooks that I was talking about that are full of incitement. Uh, it's not only that, also uh, the fact that uh, Canada didn't follow uh, America's uh, leadership when it comes to uh, the embassy in Jerusalem is something that makes me sad as a Jerusalemite, someone that was in the Jerusalem City Council and now is in a member of Knesset. Uh, I wish they did. I, I think it's clear that they should because uh, Jerusalem is Israel's uh, capital. It's the Jewish people's eternal capital. Uh, and so there are some issues of disagreement. But again, it's within the framework of a strong friendship, which I strongly appreciate also. Right, because our government just sent out uh, two statements in the last couple of weeks condemning Israel for the settlement building and for violence, which um, the tone has changed in the last couple of uh, statements that the Canadian government put out. I definitely disagree with that. Uh, I, uh, I strongly support uh, Judea and Samaria as being a, a part of Israel. Uh, I, I support applying Israeli sovereignty in large parts of Judea and Samaria, at least in areas C. Uh, and so I definitely am in disagreement with the Canadian policy when it comes to that. Uh, but I disagree. I see that, again, I see it as a disagreement between friends, and that's a, that's a legitimate thing. You mentioned recently, and I think one of your staffers sent it to us as well, about your efforts to rescue 50,000 French Jews from France and bring them to Israel because of rising anti-Semitism. How do you deal with or how do you navigate what Israel is doing with 
the rise in anti-Semitism because we feel it in Canada, in school boards, uh, in social media. I'm sure you're aware. I spoke about France because there were some uh, murders there, right? Some terrorist actions in France, which really uh, signify the urgency of at least allowing and helping the people who want to move to Israel to do so uh, efficiently. I'm not uh, now talking about people, about convincing people who don't want uh, who don't want to uh, move to Israel to start to uh, get them to move here, but rather to uh, to uh, allow the people who already want to. There's around 50,000 who have an expressed interest and to make it easier for them. When it comes to anti-Semitism in other uh, countries, uh, then I will uh, say that uh, I, I, I plan on opening the uh, diaspora caucus in the Knesset, which a large part of it will be to be more attentive to the needs of the different diaspora communities uh, and to focus on things where I think we'll all agree they're, uh, they're problematic. For example, the problem of anti-Semitism, the problem of BDS, the problem on campuses, all of these problems, uh, and to see how we as a, as a Knesset can help on these issues. It hasn't opened yet just for bureaucratic uh, reasons, uh, but once it will, uh, then I, I hope to really use this tool in order to enhance the relationship between diaspora and Israel. That's what um, the minister Nachman Shai said when he came to Canada last May. <laughs> and I asked him similar <laughs> questions about diaspora. I mean, it was in the previous government. But, you know, coming here, when are you, how often do you get to Canada or how often do you plan to sort of visit? So I actually will be the head of the parliamentary uh, friendship group uh, between Canada uh, and Israel. And so it probably means that I will visit a lot. Thank God, I like Canada. I love Canada. I never left Canada because I didn't love it, right? I love Canada. Uh, I left Canada out of Zionism. And so I'm very happy that I will get uh, a chance as a member of Knesset to be there uh, very often. One of the hardest things I had to do, by the way, uh, as a new member of Knesset was to renounce my Canadian citizenship because that's part of the Israeli law. And so that was actually one of the hardest things that I had to do because I care deeply for Canada. Are you still, uh, do you still follow hockey? I, I wish that there was less of a time difference, but I, people keep telling me that it's a good thing that I don't fo follow hockey this year because the Habs aren't doing too well, right? So, <laughs> yes, that is very true. But you know, that's the that's the you get the good drafts pi draft picks. So one of the things in the diaspora, as you know, is a huge issue for us. Not so much maybe for Israelis is access to the Western Wall and equal rights for the Reform, Conservative, and non you know non Orthodox prayer. How do you feel about this? I think that's a, what we need as a responsible government is to keep the status quo when it comes to religion and, uh, and state. Uh, I know that there's people pushing in both directions. That's usually a sign that the status quo is a compromise. And that means that the status quo is good uh, because uh, status quo is supposed to be a compromise, which uh, both sides don't like very much, but that allows for us to live together. And I think that's what it does now. Uh, I know that there's elements in the coalition that are trying to change the status quo, but we in the Likud have, uh, have made it clear that we will not let this happen. Uh, we will uh, keep the status quo the way it is. And I know that this worries a lot of people in the diaspora. So I, I can just reiterate here uh, that uh, we, we won't let it happen. The status quo will stay. Uh, it allows us to, on the one hand, have a, a Jewish state with a Jewish identity, but on the other hand, allow for full religious freedom uh, of everyone in Israel. Uh, freedom is one of the things that I want to uh, promote 
uh, as a MK, right? It has to do with my uh, free market uh, ideals and things like that. Freedom is a word which means a lot to me. Uh, and so it's one of the things that are on my agenda that includes also uh, freedom to worship uh, the way people please, uh, the way people want. Uh, and I'll, that, that will definitely be something that I will not allow to happen. And I, the Likud, that's, that's the Likud's agenda. It's not just my own personal agenda. The prime minister has said it over and over again, even though it's not ideal for any of the two sides. Right. I guess if it, everyone hates you, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. It's been an honor to meet you. Thank you. By the way, today is Daniel Eluz's 37th birthday. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Elliot Katz of Toronto. He's the author of several books, including How to Be the Strong Man a Woman Wants. And we'll end with a bit of what it sounded like on the weekend in the United Arab Emirates when a Canadian rabbi, Yehuda Sarna, also of Montreal originally, helped inaugurate the country's stunning new synagogue in Abu Dhabi. It's called the Moses Ben Maimon Synagogue. The building is the first standalone purposely built shul to open in the Gulf in 100 years. It's part of the UAE's tolerance outreach to Jews, Christians and Muslims. We believe that this is the first new purpose-built synagogue in the region in almost a hundred years. We will remember this for the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen.